that's when I'm like, okay, this is not just a tool. It, this is a mass communication platform. And it helped me to really see that, you know, if we want to scale something, if we want to message something, if we want to reach someone, this is the best tool on planet Earth. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. And today I've got an exciting guest, Yvonne Carlson is with me. Now, Yvonne has been in the technology and ministry space uh, for, for many, many years. And I got to know her when she was working at the church of Erwin Lutzer, the Moody Church, many years ago. And I'll let her talk a little bit about the different uh, area that her path has gone since then. Um, Yvonne, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share one other thing. Yvonne was actually one of the early adopters, early testers of the uh, platform that, that 5Q built, Journey, the personalization platform. So we might touch on that a little bit uh, a little bit later as well. But Yvonne, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have Thanks you Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, so Yvonne, tell us a little bit, like, like how long have you been working in the digital space? Well, actually, it's been nearly my entire career. So I'm going to give my age away. A little bit here, but I've been working with digital technologies for over 25 years. 25 years. Wow. So, so walk, us, walk us through your work experience. Like where has that digital experience happened? Well, um, I really wanted to be a psychiatrist. Um, that was kind of my initial uh, direction in college. And I'd always been enamored with technology. Um, I took basic in seventh grade and I was working with computers from then on. So I learned on an Apple IIe. Again, I'm uh, dating myself a little bit, yep. but um, <laughs> you're, you're with me? Basic. Are you with me? Yep. Nice, nice, nice. I think mine was a sophomore in high school instead of a seventh grade. So you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, my science teacher, I mean, he just saw the need to get us into to computers and get us on computers as soon as possible. So, um, so I went down that path and I recognized that I am way too analytical to be a psychologist because, you know, I want to solve problems and with people, it's not like that, you know, there, there'll be people that you want to work with and help, but you know, there will always be those situations that you can't really affect. So um, I went to my second passion, which was um, engineering and computer science. My father had told me, Yvonne, I really think this is where you should go. Um, but I told him I wanted to help people. So um, I, I, in college, I actually worked for a state representative uh, in the Small Business Administration. And we did research um, in the area of what large corporations like Walmart do to rural communities. Mm -hmm. So I was working with the head of computer science at a community college for that project. So from the get-go, even in high school, I was working in the office working with computers. Um, but the internet itself, that's really when I started to see the power of the internet. And um, he was trading data with other universities um, using the internet. I'm like, okay, what is this thing? I need to dig into it. 
Um, fast forward, I ended up um, taking my psychology or my medical, my love for medicine and my love for um, technology. And I worked in pharmaceuticals and then in medical manufacturing. Hmm. Um, and medical manufacturing is really where my um, passion for the internet came to fruition because we built one of the first platforms in our industry where people could order our products online. So the very first throws of e-commerce. So that was probably before Amazon was around. Correct. That was yeah. before yeah. Amazon was around. And I, um, and so I was working on the back end of these platforms. I had no idea that one day I would be leading those platforms. So mm -hmm. I moved out of engineering into um, uh, marketing to lead their global e-commerce. And that's when I'm like, okay, this is not just a tool. It, this is a mass communication platform. Mm -hmm. And it helped me to really see that, you know, if we want to scale something, if we want to message something, if we want to reach someone, this is the best tool on planet earth. Yeah. So, so could, did you see how your desire to help people? Yes. How did that end up meshing with your, your, your really a calling to help people. And yet your, your, uh, um, your heart for technology, how, how did those two go together? Well, working in the medical field, it, it was amazing because, you know, pharmaceuticals, obviously you're working with, um, drugs and medications that can heal people. Um, like one, one area I specifically worked in with were uh, oncology drugs. So, you know, literally um, I worked with people who helped cure cancer, you know, they ran cancer centers. I mean, wow. wow right. Wow. And then um, when I was in medical manufacturing, we had a bunch of different product lines, um, respiratory um, devices. So my son is mm -hmm. asthmatic. Um, I'm a former asthmatic. So I'm literally mm -hmm. helped build you know, and help manufacture those um, nebulizers that have mm -hmm. been, you know, <laughs> tucked away in my closet for, you know, so many years. Um, and the most exciting thing, though, I've got to say, um, were the rehab products. So mm -hmm. wheelchairs as sophisticated as cars and then um, assistive technology. Mm -hmm. So when you think of this, you may think of Stephen Hawking mm -hmm. and the, the device he used to communicate. And hit this wheelchair that was uber sophisticated. We we built things like that. Wow. And when I saw people out and about, and I knew that we helped put them there, we helped them live their life regardless of any disability or challenge. That was amazing. I mean, I cannot tell wow. you how impactful that was. Um, even to this day, I mean, there I'm still checking. I like what if there's a wheelchair that goes by, I still kind of you know, check to see, is that a quickie? Is that, uh, is that a chair that I helped work sure. on? And of, and of course, you know, I'm um, one person in a big team. So I don't want to make my contribution seem more than it was, but I was a cog yeah. in the wheel, you know? Yeah. 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 Then talk to us about how the shift to the ministry, applying your skills and your, your passion for helping people in technology, how did that shift to the ministry space? So when um, I, so this organization that I was working um, in terms of uh, medical manufacturing was in the Denver area. Mm -hmm. I was part of an IT professional group and I ended up sitting by the CIO of the University of Denver hmm. at one of these um, lunch and learns. And I gave him my business card and he immediately said, hey, are you looking for a job? And I said, oh no, I'm, I'm happy. 
I'm happy where I am. I love what I'm doing. Um, but we struck up a friendship. So I ended up moving to um, the University of Denver where I ran um, web technology for the university. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my last, what I would say, you know, out there, you know, um, non-ministry job. Because mm-hmm. when I went, when we moved um, from Denver to Chicago, for my husband to go to Moody Bible Institute to go to seminary, that's when the shift started happening. Mm-hmm. I, when we got there, I thought I was going to stay in the university system and God made it clear that that's not where he wanted me. Um, so I took on um, an interim contract as a digital director for an advertising firm. It was then in that um, time of my life where God whispered into my ear, start praying for full-time ministry. Which, of course, um, I laughed. Um, I really did laugh. I, I'll be honest. I said, I said to my husband, Steve, I was like, you are going to laugh. Um, I was listening to this song from Britt McNicole, How the Lost Get Found. Hmm. And I felt God say to me, you need to be in full-time ministry. And I, and I said, Steve, this is not, not my thought. I would have never guessed this in a million years. So fast forward six months, and I'm sitting in the office of Dr. Erwin Lutzer, being interviewed for a job to run his media ministry. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And, and so then, so that was a shift into the ministry space. And Dr. Lutzer, you're, you were involved with technology, both with the church as well as with his radio ministry. Correct. And um, so how, how long were you there with? with uh, roughly uh, about five years. I was there okay. for about five years. Okay. Five years. And then you had a stint down in down in Texas. Then you're back in Chicago, and so yes. up until six months ago, you were you were talk, talk to us about what you're doing with uh, with Moody Bible Institute and Moody Radio. Sure. So I was working um, as uh, the lead digital um, strategist for the Moody Radio Network. Uh, I participated as part of the leadership team for the network, which was an incredible, an incredible, I have to tell you, opportunity to see how God is working in a large scale ministry. It was such a a blessing to see how God is using a media. I mean, I knew this from working with Dr. Lutzer, the impact to people's lives, you know, and how the ability to get the gospel out there, but to see the scale of it was really quite incredible. And to see how digital was being used was for me that that was my passion. That was my reason for being there. And uh, Moody was um, an early adopter of streaming. So they've been streaming, but we started looking into the area of podcasts. You know, we're doing a podcast right now in other ways um, to get the message out there. And, you know, you can't now, especially with COVID-19 now, you know, digital channels are so crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to us a little bit about why you were there. What was like, how did you approach the whole podcast strategy and, and uh, what are some of the new things that in your in your tenure there that you maybe encourage Moody to take 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 a strong look at from a technology so, perspective? No, those are, that's a great question. So um, digital transformation; those are the two words that I that's kind of my mantra at this time. Mm-hmm. I think everybody um, talks about digital transformation now because of the virus and the the changes that has um, precipitated in our in our culture in our way of doing work. Mm-hmm. For me, I always have seen radio as a platform. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's more than a channel. It's a platform. It's a means to an end. 
So I was always challenging people to think more broadly um, about how content could be created. So if I were to walk into Disney, you know, I think of movies like Frozen that they take and then they cut it into a million pieces and they create hundreds of different products. Mm-hmm. But ministries that have this wonderful content called the gospel should be doing the same. So what are where are the spaces where people are consuming content? I would go to the Consumer Electronics Show every year and we'll be doing a virtual tour this year um, with Jacobs Media. Worth every penny because what you're seeing is you're seeing the platforms of the future. So obviously the big thing has been the connected car. Uh, There's this other thing called connected TV that I think everybody should really be thinking about. Um, Where where we're moving um, is that and there are all these different distribution channels, but there's there's like a front door that's being placed on these channels that make them see all cohesive and one. So it's like the catalog mm-hmm. of all catalogs. So um, no law, they're providing front doors. So no longer do you have to go to all these individual channels to consume. They're bringing everything to you. And that's why I think mm-hmm. radio, television can be a platform. These providers can help bring together these resources in such a way that really um, works with their audience or their constituents. So I just want to step back. I love what you said about going to the CES or consumer electronics show, because sometimes working in ministry, we can get pretty myoptic and just looking at others that are in ministry, we think we're doing pretty good. But then when we actually poke our head above a little bit higher and see what others in the for-profit space are doing, we can realize, man, we've got maybe a little bit longer ways to go. So what, so attending CES, that's one thing you recommend. What are some other things that you do or have done to stay up with the trends? I, there are a few companies that I follow religiously. Mm -hmm. So all of the big tech companies like Facebook, like Apple, like Disney, um, those leaders in our space um, Spotify is also a very good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some there are some people in the media space, in the digital space, that are risk takers. So you and I may not take risks in our ministry uh, work, but they can take risks for us, and we can learn from them. We can learn from their failures. So I really think that's important. And then I'm also um, looking at organizations like McKinsey. Um, and there's a lot of different futurists or futurist groups out there. Um, when you think about think tanks like Gartner Group or Forrester, I and, and this is back, this is back from my for-profit days, right? What can I learn from other organizations? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be even for-profit. It could be who's innovating in your space, mm-hmm. and. Those thought leaders, anytime you can get in front of them, have a conversation with them, read a book, read an article. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't follow everyone, but you know who who's doing what you want to do. You know, it's like mentorship, yeah. right? Yeah. Peer-to-peer mentorship. Um, you know, you're you're being mentored in a way by you know listening to someone's podcast, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that mentorship can cover lots of different topics, not just technology and uh, what we're talking about today. Yeah. So the last six months, you have shifted again. You started your own company, yes. Design Thinkers. And mm-hmm. I, I love that name, Design Thinkers. So, so just tell us a little bit about how Design Thinkers came to be. 
So um, design thinking uh, as, a, as a model, as a method is a way to solve problems. And you know, uh, it is really effective. It's being used by organizations like the United Nations to help um, address refugee crisis. Uh, this model, I just really believe in. And, and so I started learning and I started practicing um, this mm -hmm. model. And, um, you know, when you think of the people that you love their products from, you know, like the Nikes, the world, they use design thinking in product design and strategy. Mm -hmm. So I want to help organizations who want to innovate um, what in services and products to come up with that great idea. Hmm. Now, one of the things I love about design thinking is that a great idea can come from anyone. So it's really this process breaks down those silos of title and department, and it creates a framework for people to have a thoughtful conversation to, for example, frame the problem. Because, you know, we might say we need to, we may need to make an improvement. We need to innovate. Well, we need to do X, Y, Z. Well, what problem are we solving? And then, you know, what's the method that we work towards? And there are a bunch of different tools in the design thinking toolbox to help you figure out, okay, what next? What's the yeah. right product? Who's our audience? All of that work. And I've found it to be just really exciting because there are organizations mm -hmm. out there that are willing to take the risk, but they need to do it in a methodical way. So this gives them mm -hmm. an opportunity to like really hook in. And I'm talking about, you know, people from the bottom to the top can participate in the process and be part of a solution. And then you're going to have a much greater chance of success. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's excellent. That's, uh, that, it's, it's really exciting for me to see you taking some of those concepts. I know the uh, Google Venture Group wrote a book and I've, I've been racking my brain since you've been talking here to remember what that name was, but it was basically product development and taking a team through that whole, that whole process. And you, like what you said about defining the problem I know sometimes with our team, I'll say, mm -hmm. okay, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? To articulate that in such a way, sometimes 80% of the discussion is around that. But once we identify and get everybody on the same Correct. page around what is the actual problem we're solving, the solutions flow so much better. And uh, I don't know if you found that to be- Absolutely. It, it's well. Absolutely. Um, you know what I find to be- really exciting is that when people go through a process like this, uh, it puts them into a posture of listening mm. and what you learn from each other is incredible. And then that's where the innovation usually comes yeah. is that when people step back and are given a framework and an opportunity to really listen to different levels of an organization and, and learn, and then the answer to that, like you're saying, the answer to the problem becomes more apparent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I know you've been working with some radio stations and with some mission groups. And then, of course, with your past experience with Moody and others. Uh, and you already talked a little bit about some of the trends, but I want, want to ask, like, what are some trends that ministries in particular should be preparing for as they think about the future? So one of the projects I'm working on right now is an emerging technologies report. Hmm. And um, the goal is to help identify um, a, a one, three and five year horizons for maturation 
of particular technologies. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to really depend on your space and where you're working, but I'm going to use the obvious one, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. right? So roughly 30 to 35% of the tools you use now have some sort of AI component. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to continue to see that increase. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it could be as simple as ministries adopting a chat bot on their website or using Facebook messenger it's all about creating conversation. So either you're going to provide tools for people to converse with you, or they're going to bypass you and go somewhere else. So I think um, the marriage of AI and people. So when people think of AI, they may think, oh, okay, I've got this robot like chat thing. That's usually what they think. Um, But it's usually um, those tools do some of the initial intake or evaluation or sort of help categorize the questions and then they hand it off to a person. So it's really that blend of AI Mm -hmm. and people that's beneficial because nothing can really replace the human um, factor. And even, you know, if you think about um, some of the tools, the learning tools out there, like IBM's Watson, no matter how much data you feed it and how smart you make it. um, Sure. There's some things that some patterns that would recognize that we may not, but it's not going to ever replace, um, you know, human contact, especially when we talk about sharing the gospel. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Uh, just, just you mentioning that makes me think of some of the fears that some ministries may have around some of these emerging technologies like AI and and like, is that going to replace people? And so, just talk to us a little bit about that, helping a ministry get over some of the fears of embracing technologies. Well, there are people using these technologies right now in significant ways in ministry. So I think of some of the organizations that are translating the Bible. They're using yeah. some of these tools. Um, so there are use cases where it's it's uh, confined to dealing with data or translation. You know, there's not really a human component. So there's really no risk. I mean, your greatest risk is how accurate is the translation. And obviously you'd have expert on hand experts on hand to ensure that the the translation is accurate. Um, But in terms of like the the, the, where you touch people, where you interact with people, um, I would I would challenge people to think about that the tools that they use every day, um, you know, Siri, Siri. okay, so she's um, an, an assistant. Right. But she's using A.I., are you afraid of her? I mean, does she concern you? Well, you probably ask her some crazy questions. I know my kids love to ask her funny questions. You know, like, who do you think Jesus is, for example, is one of their favorite questions. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't care for her answer. Um, I, I think you have to look at applications that you're already interacting with mm-hmm. and say to yourself, um, what's, what's the ROI? What's, what's the benefit? You know, you have to do mm-hmm. that risk analysis. Um, mm-hmm. What's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, you use a chat bot on your website. The worst thing it can happen is that it would give that person the wrong answer and they would say, hey, I wanna chat with a real person. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's taking baby steps <clears throat> towards some of these tools. And this is a thread for me, reaching out to people. You know what, LinkedIn's a beautiful thing. If you see, see a ministry doing something really cool, go on LinkedIn, find somebody from there, connect with them and say, Hey, mm. I really love to know how you're using X, Y, and Z. And mm. what I found is people are really open. I mean, I mean, 
we're all doing the same thing, right? In ministry, we all have the same yeah. mission. So yeah. people are open to share. Yeah, yeah. And being able to harness something that is either neutral, uh, depending on how, how you look at that, and harness it for, for the gospel and for the good. I, I just think of something that 5Q built for the ministry got questions, a small ministry, but they've, they read, they have one of the highest visited Christian websites in the entire world. And it's all about apologetics questions. So they're like, well, why don't we build an Alexa skill that actually answers the question? So you can ask this That's Alexa wonderful. skill anything about That's the exactly it right there. The Bible, and uh, it'll, it'll bring it back. And so it's using the world's technology in a way that spreads the gospel. Well, and here's the deal. So I think about um, other faith walks um, like radical Islam. I'm not mm. talking about, you know, the everyday uh, Muslim person, mm -hmm. but people who are in, uh, you know, affiliated with organizations like ISIS. And I've, I know people who've worked um, in those areas and worked with people from those types of organizations mm -hmm. and they use those tools. They use those mm -hmm. tools expertly. Yeah. Um, they use social media to groom people, um, to, to sh introduce ideas. Imagine if people are looking for the wrong thing and they find the right thing. Hmm. So to me, I see it as a community. The, di mm -hmm. the digital space is a community. And the ministries need to have houses on these blocks because guess what? Our neighbors need to know Jesus Christ. So whether it's a physical block or a digital block, we need to be there. Yeah, that's that's so true. So good. So I want to think want, want us to think a little bit about when you've worked inside a ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, and even as you're working with other ministries right now, how do you encourage an organization to measure success for their digital efforts? Like what are some some tools or not so much tools, but some concepts that you would say, well, here's how you would measure success for your digital efforts. So first of all, um, one of the things that I see people lacking, and, and you know this too, Chad, um, given what 5Q does is, is strategy, hmm. having a documented strategy. So they may have a strategy, um, but it's not on paper. And why is it so crucial to be on paper? That's so you can share it. Um, I remember um, being in college, they would tell you, if you really want something, somebody to know something, like you're giving a speech, tell them, tell them again, and then tell them again. And when you think you've told them too many times, they probably got it. So being able to articulate that strategy, which supports your mission and vision is rule number one, because the metrics for an organization are going to look slightly different, obviously based on what you do, but based on your strategy. So um, if you don't have someone internally who's like your data champion, I think that's a very important person that you need to have on your team. Um, not everyone has a data analyst. I know um, when I was at Moody, I, I had that uh, component. Um, we had, that was an important thing to us. And I was part of that team, you know, looking at data um, from different various sources, you know, um, Google Analytics obviously being one of them, if you're, you know, thinking about your website, but they're different platforms depending upon um, what you're measuring or what you're looking at. Um, you, you just mentioned Alexa, you know, Amazon provides a reporting tool to, so you can see how people interact, you know, and there, and you might find that their data is, you know, insufficient. It doesn't tell you a lot, but 
don't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. If you have data and, and you can surface that data, look at it and, and, and correlate and start to make sense of it and have somebody whose job it is to mine data mm-hmm. and bring up, bring peculiarities to you as a leadership team. Oh, did you know this? Did you know that? I mean, it's so important when we're making decisions that we have, we do, we have data driven decisions, not just hunch. Now mm-hmm. the Holy spirit can give us nudges. So I won't, I won't leave that out of the equation at all, but, um, I think getting a certification in Google analytics is uh, worth its weight in gold, you know, Facebook as well um, with their blueprint platform. If you don't, if you're using those platforms regularly, you need to have someone on your team invest the time to get their certifications or, or at least go through the education. And it's really pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I see, so, you know, I work with the organization, one of the organizations I work with, um, they support 150 ministries in the greater Middle East. Hmm. And I see um, some of the things that people struggle with um, besides just not having the articulated uh, strategy is project management. So, so I have a strategy, but do I have a plan? I know I'm, yeah. t- I'm talking about things that seem simple, but yeah. sometimes all of us need to be reminded um, of the, the simple things and like it's, yeah. and that the simple things are those skills that we have to keep on honing our whole lives, like project management, you can be amazing, but it's, there's always more to learn. So I would say any project management training um, that you can invest in and where that, what that boils down to is that if you are, if you have a, a project charter or a scope of work uh, in that, you should bake in your metrics. Like how are we going to measure success? from day one, like you won't even start the project until you have um, those definable metrics. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. We found that to be true as well. And that even defining those metrics allows you to, to really hone in and whether it's testing, doing A-B testing or whatever, to be able to right. say, okay, are we moving towards our goals? And are we accomplishing what, uh, what, what we set out to do? It, now, I'm sure you've had this experience. I know I had it working inside of a ministry and you have an idea, but that idea needs to get buy-in from upper management. So, so t- talk to us a little bit about how do you help upper management engage and get on board with digital initiatives? What have you found some ways to, to do that in, in, in the course of your experience? Well, there's one word that I would begin with, education. So people don't care about things that they don't know about. So I'm always looking for compelling stories because mm. we, we, we love story, right? Of the Bible, there's so many, you know, got there are parables. Why did God use parables? Well, because they work. Yeah. We remember them. Um, so be, being able to, so like we talked about AI. Okay. AI, what that's cool. That's, you know, sciencey stuff, you know, um, what does that really mean? Why does that really matter to my organization? Well, at first pass, you know, it's just another tool, but with the right strategy in the right hands, that tool can lead to explosive growth. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that people need to really give credence, um, to those poster child moments those moments where 
they have a problem in their organization and maybe it's a gaffe, maybe it's something that, that went sideways to step back and say, what's the problem we're trying that we need to solve? And then what are innovative ways in different ways? And don't be afraid to surround yourself with people who don't think like you. I mean, I, I can tell you that I, <laughs> how many times have I been in a conversation and I get that deer in the headlights look and I know that I've lost people. Yeah. And yeah. even though I, I'm like, okay, this is this cool thing, but I'm not, re, I'm not relating it to them. So yeah. as, as a digital leader, you have to take time to, to, to learn the language of an organization and learn the language of your team and speak to them in parables or in stories that make sense to them. And once people understand the power of what you're trying to do, I think it's much easier for them to get behind, at least give, given um, an opportunity to explore the idea. So I think that's what you need to always foster is this um, culture of exploration. You know, what if we considered this, you know, we have this problem. What if we considered this? Is this something that we might pursue? And sometimes the answer will be no, and that's okay. There might be other factors um, that you're not aware of, but always be willing to, to share um, information. So ha having an open hand, and not being an information hoarder or feeling like, you know, if I give my idea away, somebody else will take credit. Who cares? That's right. Yeah. You know, if you have a solution that might be helpful, that can move the conversation in the right direction, do it, say it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like what you said around, really it's around tying the, uh, tying the, the potential solution to the real pro world problem. And so, so being able to be close enough to your management team that you understand what the problems that they're dealing with are, and then to be proactive and bringing forth solutions. Well, hey, have we thought about this? And presenting it in a story, like in a in a uh, in a story format, where where people can understand and relate in, in ways that they can understand and relate to, not just the tech speak that that right. when we're right. interacting with the developers and and the, the, that we that we have to speak. So we have to learn to speak the upper management's language, like you mentioned ROI or uh, you know, leadership principles, all those different things. So learning to speak their language, just like we have to learn to speak the technology language as well. Right, we want them, we want people to understand us as techies, but the thing is, is we have to do the reciprocal. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah. as to be a good technologist, um, one, one of my bosses, when I was an engineer said to me, I don't care how, how good of an engineer you are. I want you to be an even better business person. Hmm. really wise words. I'm really thankful that he told me that because mm -hmm. if I, if the, these, these are tools, but if they're misapplied, they're, they're, they're not worth anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. So at 5Q, there's something that, that we talk about. We talk about the five multipliers of digital impact. And really you can think about those are, are the levers that you can push or move and actually not just, not just, arithmetically increase, but actually multiply logarithmically multiply. So you're multiplying, not just adding to. And, and, for, and for us, that's awareness, people coming to your website or your digital engagement, um, conversion rates, the average value 
of the gift or the average value of the of the person coming and then retention that long-term engagement right what's so, your churn yeah like, like how yeah, churn are, rate, are, churn people, are people are yep. people sticking um, and that could be an app or or your website you know are people sticking with you or are they bouncing and never yep. coming back mm -hmm. yep so, so, so again, those are those are things that we've developed. We've noticed at Five Q: awareness, engagement, conversion rates, average value, and retention. Well, as you as you work with either with your past jobs or with the organizations you're working with now, do you find yourself um, giving more attention to one of those different areas as you're working with different organizations, or an area where where they may be more ministries getting stuck, or an area where if you put more fuel on the fire in this area, it actually greatly will multiply multiply that impact that, that they're trying to do. Um, what I see is that um, people might have leaky funnels. You know what I mean, my leaky funny mm -hmm. funnel, right? So when I think about the top of the funnel, I want as many people to come in to whatever digital experience that I have. But as they, as they grow in engagement and they're moved towards advocacy uh, and become mm -hmm. a, you know, one of your raving fans, we are not tracing them through mm. the, you know, each step. It, mm -hmm. I, I think about it like um, a tractor beam, you know, we've locked on to somebody and we're drawing them towards us. And if yeah. we're doing a good job, we know where they are in that, yep. in that journey. Yep. And we're providing them with content and we're answering their questions and, and the way we're communicating with them is relevant to yep. the step that they're in. Um, but what I find is that people are not optimizing between the steps you know, and, and they look at the top of the funnel and they look at the bottom of the funnel, but you know, the stuff that happens, you know, where people through fell through the cracks in the middle, I feel yeah. like is often ignored. And this is why yeah. I go back to having like that data champion or somebody who's really into the numbers in your organization and empower them to be looking at, at all of the numbers that they can and make sense of where you might be losing people. Um, no, that's, that's, that's excellent. And because like what you said, as the, the whole user journey, which is what you mm -hmm. just, just described. Right. The, journey mapping. Your, wonderful. Journey, journey mapping is, is exactly what's needed for that. Right. And then, then, and then the whole aspect of A-B testing to be able to see yes. what's working, what's not working. And then what we found, I'm just going to touch on this a little bit, but being able to personalize the experience based on where they are in that, in that journey. And uh, so, 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 you know, that's one area that we've seen the opportunity for ministries and nonprofits to really personalize that journey through whether it's Journey or some other tool out there that this, it's possible to do that now like it wasn't possible. Right. And it's affordable. And, and, and it's and, affordable. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get real time metrics. Oh, boy. Yep. Having real time yep. metrics. Do people look at their real time metrics? Um, if you can have short feedback cycles, what I mean mm -hmm. is get as much feedback as from as many as people as possible, as soon as you can, as, you know, as quickly as you can, if you're keeping your finger on that pulse, guess what? You will learn, you yeah. will learn what people like and don't like. It's so crucial to look at that information. How have you been able to, because I know working in a ministry, it's really easy to get sucked into everything that we have to do today. Uh, the tyranny of the urgent, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, so how have you either personally or professionally been able to carve out that space to be looking future, to be able to look at those data and be able to look at feedback loops for you personally, just how, how, is, how have you been able to, to do that? 
So um, I really love, there's a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And um, what he, he basically says, you know, you need to remove distractions and you need to take uh, time to do deep work and really go deep into your work and not just like surface. Um, I feel like we fill our days with too many short meetings and too many distractions. Mm-hmm. So we need that good, you know, few hours to really dig deeply into what we're working on mm-hmm. because all of that context switching that we're doing, even though, you know, we think we're all wonderful at it. Our, our brains are not made for context switching. I mean, we're, that's just not truly how we're wired. Multi, um, multitasking is a myth. Right. Right. We're just switching from one thing to the other and it, yeah, yeah. Here it keeps right. us way up here. So yeah. I, I think um, having some protected time, where you're doing that deep work and that analysis and looking at all of those numbers, I would just schedule time in my work week. Hmm. And, That's you know, great. people would be like, I want to meet during this time. And I treated those meetings as sacred because I had to do that work in order to do my work. So if I didn't understand the metrics, for example, if I didn't have a handle on that and somebody would ask me a question, I wouldn't have the answer. So I had to make that part of my rhythm. Um, I do love the full focus planner from, from Michael, Michael Hyatt, Hyatt. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. identifying your big three and just his methodology. Um, I originally did getting things done GTD, um, uh-huh. but the bottom line, a lot of these systems, um, it goes back to triage, right? Mm-hmm. Make, so you know, what are these things that you have to do or the patient will die? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or what are these things that if you don't do, the patient will die? You know, what are the things that you can delay that are not immediate? Um, and what things do you just say no to? So I love the idea of planned abandonment, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that is those choices are hard to make because there's so many wonderful opportunities out there that are the opportunities you take it you're, that you're taking, are they helping you get to your end goal? So one of the questions okay. I love, um, I do Spartan races, obstacle course racing. Really? I didn't uh, know yes. That. Yes. Awesome. Um, we have a, we have a Spartan rig in our backyard. So Very if you want to cool. come climb a, a, a rope when you're in Charlotte, just, you know, <laughs> monkey bars. You, you um, know, my son would love that. He, oh, we have, okay. we have a set of um, rings in our garage. So oh, awesome. He, he works out with, with the, with the gymnastic rings. So he would, yeah, he would love that. Nice. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Um, one of the questions um, that the founder of Spartan asks is, do, is the decision I'm making help me get to my goal? Now, hmm. uh, now granted, if you go read some of his articles, um, he, he, he uses some colorful language um, just to, you know, forewarn you, um, but one of the things I love is that he is all about focus. And, and I think that's something in our, in this time, especially, you know, working from home and our lives are sort of upended and in, mm-hmm. in a different flow, we easily get distracted. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that question really helps me. Um, and then, you know, good old fashioned prayer, like, mm-hmm. God, is this something I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, this is yeah. something that I find myself saying uh, more and more often yeah, yeah. as I get older. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something to that. Even like I was reading in second Chronicles 20 today, just how inviting God in and saying not yet. Yes. Is it something we should do, but then Lord help me to be able to actually do it as well. There's uh, um, you know, we, we, we need his help every day. 
So Yvonne, yeah. what, what is one book, blog, resource, and you've already given us some great resources throughout this podcast, whether it's Deep Thinking or The Spartan um, Owner, um, but, but what's one book, book, blog, or resource that you've been reading recently that you can recommend to our audience? Okay, it's really hard to decide, but I am going to land on Bulletproof Problem Solving hmm. by Charles Kahn and Robert McLean. Okay. And t- tell us a little bit about that bulletproof problem solving. How has that helped you as you're uh, in, 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 in what's the number one reason why you recommend that book right now? Because we, we as humans are subject to opinion. Hmm. We're subject, um, you know, we, we, we love to, reinforce our own ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm going here is cognitive bias, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have a defined problem solving method mm-hmm. or framework, it helps mm-hmm. re- reduce your bias. Mm-hmm. And right. hopefully you can get down to the to the root of things. And so th- that's why I like this book. And, and I've read several different books of this nature, but this is a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it goes deep and it's something you can apply to your whole life. That's excellent. Good. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for joining us. What, what are, how, if people want to get in touch with you, especially around design thinking and, and your company, how can they do that? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, my email address is Yvonne at designthinkers.online. Excellent. Good. And, and so we will, the, the books and resources that you referenced, your contact information, we'll be listing all that in our show notes. But I just want to say thank you so much and excited to hear your new venture and your new adventure as you're working with, uh, with other organizations and, and other parts of the globe, other parts of the world. And uh, thanks so much for joining, joining me today on uh, Ministries at Scale. Really appreciate you. Thank you.